Good morning, Diana. How are you? Good morning, Brad. Take two. Yeah. As I've talked a little bit before hitting the record, you know, the win or, our wins or losses this week should be pretty easy. So I'll let you take it. Uh, what was our loss this week, Diana? Our loss was this very episode. Um, we recorded this, what, last Thursday? And today's Tuesday. And uh, I thought it was really good, too. <laughs> and then even though it told us that all of the audio uploaded and everything, it, um, it did not. I was missing for most of the show. So After. Brett was performing a one-man show. <laughs> You would have thought it was really impressive after the 19-minute yeah. mark because I was answering your questions and having the conversation <laughs> with literally nobody else on the video um, or audio. So lesson learned, we double-checked. I don't know if it was just it must yeah. have been a glitch because everything looked and yeah. sounded good. And yeah, it was probably by, by far our best episode. But hey, take two gives us a chance to, to cut out some of the non-value-added stuff that we talked about, which never happens. So. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's <laughs> uh, yeah, so definitely shared loss. It was, yeah, it's always good to have a conversation, but we like, usually like to talk about new stuff, but we're going to revisit this. And um, I think as we left off previously, we talked you know, about new business, right? As a freelancer, as you're starting to grow, how do you get beyond your network and what are some of those channels that you could use? So yeah, why don't we dive in? What's uh, I know you had some thoughts from a content standpoint. How do we do this? And then, you know, I've got some ideas on some different channels that have been effective as well. So why don't you kick us off? Yeah, well, I think a lot of us uh, freelance entrepreneurs struggle with customer acquisition because we're not salespeople. But now you have to basically become everything, at least until you can scale to the point to add those members to your team. So you're your admin, you're billing all of it sales and your people. sales. Yeah. <laughs> and so what are the ways that you can do that in a way that doesn't necessarily take you too far out of your comfort zone, but more importantly, allows you to get to that point where you have a decision where you can actually afford to bring someone on if you need to, or just again, to make you more comfortable. And so, yeah, on content, um, I like to recommend uh, content-based networking. And our friend James Carberry wrote, literally wrote the book on that called Content-Based Networking. And I'm talking specifically about a podcast, which can be a really powerful source of uh, new client acquisition by in interviewing and inviting on your prospective customers to be guests on your show and then building relationships from there, not hammering them, not like taking the LinkedIn, will you connect with me and hammering them with sales um, sales messages kind of thing, but building relationships where a natural follow through from that, from building and nurturing those relationships is more clients and or more client referrals directly as well. And the, and the perk there is that a podcast also serves as a fundamental cornerstone of your content strategy, your own content strategy, and gives you so much to post and share and, and leverage uh, that for me, it's a no-brainer for most freelance entrepreneurs right now, particularly, well, I mean, we're all pretty much in B2B, we're freelance entrepreneurs, to, to invest in, and it doesn't have to cost you a fortune either. So I think oh. the ROI on a podcast is phenomenal. Yeah, and there's two sides of that too, right? It's the hosting of a podcast, but it's also guesting on on podcast. Right. And yes. what I really like about again hosting this podcast is what three years now, which is insane, is the ability to connect with other people that probably wouldn't have taken your call otherwise, right? I mean, that's been part of it. That I've got some exposure. I mean, you and I met through the podcast through 
networks. Through I had you a on LinkedIn pod <laughs> way, way back in the day. So I think that the two purposes, one, you get to reach people that'll take your calls and get to know and the network through the network through the network is helpful. And then on the flip side, getting yourself as a guest on a podcast can be super beneficial. And I can talk again from the three years of this, the folks that appear on the show, the number of new business opportunities that appear for the guests were probably even more so than me, because again, we tend to focus more on the guests than ourselves with it. So it, so it makes sense. But yeah, I still think this is a vastly underrated tool. You don't have yeah. to have a huge audience for it to be effective Mm-mm. and it keeps everything fresh. Yeah, definitely. And it positions you as a thought leader as well. So even in your additional sales outreach and, and business development activities, uh, mentioning, oh, by the way, I have this podcast and the name of it is very niche specific to what you do, um, automatically that raises the credibility level of you um, in, in, in their eyes, particularly if you are interviewing you know, their competitors and things like that. So, and, and, the, and just the players in your space, it makes you look good, but, and, and yeah, absolutely. Um, it makes it easier for you to also get on other shows too, but like, I'm not, obviously I'm not a radio hoster, nor do I have any professional voice acting experience. So if you're not comfortable uh, hosting your own show yet, I think that guest doing guest appearances on smaller shows is a great way to start and get yourself comfortable because I mean, these are really just conversations. If you go into it with, um, like a formal outline and deck and, and you're prepared to present, like then you've got the wrong mindset. And so the only way to get yourself out of that and get comfortable putting on headphones or sitting in front of a microphone and having conversations is to do it. And so do it in the like low risk areas, go for those lower shows and uh, and then kind of build up your confidence. And then when you're hosting your own show, uh, just remember, don't go looking for like the Gary V's of the world as your guests. Like that's not going to happen. Um, I mean, if it does, good for you. But where the success lies is really in, as we've said, in inviting on your prospective customers, inviting on the real players and thought leaders in your space. Um, those are the people who are more likely to to accept your invitation, uh, but they're also the, the more likely people to help build that credibility. Don't feel like you have to go in there and automatically go for like the gold, so to speak. Home runs, yeah. Again, I think that you get less value with some of those folks too. You can have the full-on audience that they have, but most of the time you'll get a lift on the podcast episode, but you probably won't see anything in your core because if it's yeah. not a good overlap with your business or your network. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's more I'm, of a vanity metric than it is the the value metric. Yeah, so give me give me 20 listeners who are actually people who I want to reach and I'll be thrilled, you know. Cuz I do think each of us and even bigger businesses will each become their own media company and you probably hear that and you go, "Oh my god, I can't do that." But it's it's more simple than that, right? It's the audio and the video that we do even though we're not doing much with the video right now. You know, there's the blogging piece of it. I just think it's going to be the cost of doing business in the future, but it's so far away from everybody doing it in the mainstream right now. So if you can do it now, it's going to pick up uh, and be in a competitive advantage for you at this point in time. And it doesn't have to be spectacular, right? It's more of the doing than just um, getting it perfect. Like one of the mottos, I had a former management consulting buddy of mine always tell me, Brett, done is better than perfect. Because I'm always like, let's do perfect. perfect." No, Uh get it good enough. 80-20 rule, right? Once it's there, let it go. And and you can always work to get better. So I I think as much as we don't or we do want to be media companies, I think it's just going to be the cost of doing business. So the sooner, the better. 
Yeah. And I, I wanted to give some advice uh, for anyone who's reaching out to a show and trying to get on that show as a guest, yes. to help, you know, build up that confidence. Um, Brett, I know that you get plenty of these requests all the time. And, uh, and I've sent a few, most of the times people reach out to me, which is, is nice, but I should probably do this more proactively myself. As I am wont to say quite often on this show, do as I say, not as I do. Um, but I, I do need to do better on that. Um, so if you're going to write a message asking, start with a template if you want, if you find that makes it easier, but don't just cut and paste a generic template. Hosts can sniff those out a mile away and it's a waste of their time and super disrespectful. Hosts, remember, they don't care that you're trying to build your podcast resume and that you're trying to get more comfortable. They don't care. So what's in it for me? So here's the, you know, you're going to say, hi, so-and-so. Um, I would love to be a guest on your show. Talk about why you are a great guest, why you provide value. So my background is in X and then this is where the gold lies. And a lot of people don't do this. Offer a very specific topic suggestion of what you could come on to speak about and make sure you've listened to the show at least a few episodes because you could put a, a potential topic out there that makes no sense whatsoever for their audience don't, don't do that. Don't just listen, just take an hour and listen. And then, um, you know, put the topic out there and then even three key points that you want to make, like outline it. So they'll know exactly what benefit you could provide to their audience. And, um, and then you've done the work for it. You've made it easy so that the host doesn't have to come up with it because that's happened to me. Like, Oh, you want to come on the show? And then, uh, they don't have any idea what they want to talk about. Um, but I didn't have any idea what I wanted to talk about early on. And so it was kind of awkward and we kind of had to fish around during the interview and that's not a good way to do it either. So, so yeah, come in and make it easy. You're showcasing yourself and why you'd be a great guest and make it short and sweet. And and that's my advice there. Shorter, the better. And you're right. I probably get at least one a day and sometimes more. And most of them I don't even read because one, it doesn't even appear they one listened to the show or even looked at it to see who our audience is. And they tend to, the really bad ones, make it about them, even though we said you got to highlight, yeah. but think about you as it pertains to the audience of the show, right? Yeah. That's, that's where, give me exactly. something that's interesting or talking about something differently because that's one thing you and I both like is, hey, Let's bring different ideas to folks, right? There's you can read that do the same three or four things that you know we can argue that work or don't work, but let's expand. Like the podcast idea is is probably new. Some folks are talking about it, but you know this is just one way. But again, when you're pitching it, one make sure you know who the audience of the show is. You've actually listened. I still get, you know, shame on me as we've rebranded a few times. I still get people calling it the old name of the show, which has been six months now. So now I really know you're not listening to it. So, (laughs) and, but every now and then, um, before we were more guest heavy, I would probably take one out of 30 or 40 that inbound came through. So that's a lot of crap guys. Don't contribute to the crap. So I don't want to say it's not possible, but again, yeah. if if anybody followed your advice and be super honed in, and it's got to be personalized, right? To your point, cut and paste may work when you're with the big service and you're trying to get on it, but most of the time it's not because these shows have, you know, can be proactive about who they want to pull into it. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's great advice. There's a lot of power if you can get onto the other shows and it's, it's, it's kind of like the networking, right? So how do you get to know different people? Just tell them you love the show. 
They may even take, you know, look at your bio. There could be some opportunities for crossover, right? You come on mine, I'll come on yours type of a thing. So I think there's just a whole lot of opportunity and it's still, it's may not seem early in the game, but it's early in the game with podcasts still. And even if people don't listen to those shows, this is, this is a quite the tertiary benefit, but you can plop those logos in your LinkedIn banner or um, put them in your like volunteer experience, podcast appearances or in your, um, featured like there's ways for you to leverage that again just to build your own credibility um so that people see it on linkedin like logos are ooh dazzling they just are right you know fancy logos so um there's so many ways that you can leverage this uh, to either assist your sales activities or directly contribute to them as i mentioned through the yeah no it makes sense and i think one thing we should talk about before we talk about a few of the other channels is Go back to to what are you trying to get to, right? Yeah. We, we've talked about this in previous episodes. What not necessarily your why? Why is important, but what, right? As we talked about, Katie is one we've referenced a few times with her, you know, designing her business or, or designing her life, then her and then building the business to support what she wants her life to look like. Fantastic, because part of this is how many new customers do you actually need? And we said we won't do a ton of math on this show, but. Right. I think if you want to get to, let's see, uh, every customer you bill is $5,000, right? So, and if you want to get to 600K in gross revenue, you need 12 customers, right? So, 12 customers a month. And if you've got repeating, then you can do the math and you can level up, level down. But if you only need 12 customers, you're keeping six of them. That means you need six new customers a month. I know my head's starting to hurt this early in the morning. No, I think you mean 10 10 customers because 10 customers at 5K is. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. Twelve would be seven. Seven two. That's why we uh, don't do public math on this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it like made me pause. <laughs> See, I'm just seeing if you're still awake, Diana. So yes. yeah. Yes. My point being is is do what are what are you trying to get to? What is the level of revenue that you need and you want? And work backwards, and then yep. think about your strategy. And yeah, I think we both agree that the organic is best if you can do the SEO. If you can do start to do the podcast, leverage your network. Right. I think that's a good next yes. step is not just folks in your network, but folks that could make a recommendation or referral into somebody that you want to you want to work with. I think at this stage, it's still important to be super targeted, yes. um, not just where you want to get to from a revenue standpoint and time. Right. Are you willing to work six days a week or do you want to do this three days a week? I mean, you just got to factor that that into it. Um, but I think the referrals and channel partners are way underutilized and there's such a good opportunity there and i don't know if it's we're just afraid to ask right i'd love your perspective as you were you were growing your business is it we don't have time to do it um we're not comfortable asking people for the referrals what you've hit it there i think i think we're all just i mean i think a few weeks ago i talked about linkedin recommendations right and how no one asks for them and it's because we're all afraid we're scared that people are going to say no but at the end of the day it's just like asking someone out on a date what's the worst that can happen they say no right okay then move on or they either say no no i'm not comfortable giving referrals or no i don't know anyone well okay keep me in mind and at the at a minimum what you've done is you stay top of mind with that person and so you actually increase even if they say no the likelihood that they're going to refer someone down the line just because they didn't right now so yeah i think that's yeah. fair 
Well, and I think too, the keys to that is really understanding what I think at this stage too, is you're starting to be super tight on who you want to work with, Yeah. right? If you don't need hundreds of customers and you can be specific, think about the type of work you like to do, the type of customers you want to work with. I think I've had this conversation twice in the last you know 24 hours with potential new partners or just people that I've met. And, you know, basically we said, we only want to work with positive people and optimists, right? I mean, no negative energy. It sounds, uh, what's the right word is you can't do that in business. Yes, you can, right? You really, really can. Life's too short and there's enough business out there for everybody. But where I was really going with it is be super targeted of of what you offer, right? So Mm -hmm. if I'm coming to you, Diane, and say, hey, here's the types of customers I'm looking at. Here's the type of work I do. If you know anybody, that would be fantastic. A, A recommendation would be great. But if it's more of a I've been in three or four different types of things for different clients and your network doesn't know exactly what you do. It's mm-hmm. harder for them to say, yeah, I know somebody that does this. So you, you're going to have to get super specific about the type of work you're looking for. That's an excellent point. And, and I think it, it's an underlying theme here too, is just to be really clear on the value that you provide and the people that you provide it to. Um, and it's, it's simple and complicated at the same time, but like put that into writing and whether it's literal writing as I'm holding a pen or, uh, you know, typing it somewhere, but really be very clear on that because um, even, you know, going a little bit more um, slightly askew to a referral, you could build uh, flat out affiliates and for affiliates to be able to, to come through again, you need to be very clear on who your, your ideal customer is. Otherwise you're going to have to spend a lot of time just sifting through crap or on the phone, um, weeding through inappropriate leads who really aren't worth your time. And so it won't be very valuable for you. And then you make the referrer referrer look bad as well because they, you know, put someone in your, in your lap that they thought would be a good fit. And so it's um, the more clear that you can be, the more strong, the stronger your relationships are going to be. And and it's funny, I've had people refer someone to me, they weren't a fit. And and this isn't um, a knock going back to the whole referrer thing, but uh, the people who were referred to me weren't a fit, but I sent them to someone who was, and then I ended up getting a referral from them. So there's also the whole, um, Pollyanna look at it as, as uh, yeah. do right by people. And then you, you it will come back around likely. In Karma, end. right? Yeah. Karma's getting paid. Do good things. It's going to come back to you. Um, yeah. And I think even along those lines of what you do in, I can't remember if it was in our, our deleted episode or if we <laughs> talked about it, but really what your offer is, right? I mean, that's something I've been working on is super yeah. honing in on it. And when I talk to people, I may do some other things outside of my normal offer opportunistically. Mm-hmm. But when I'm out talking to people or in the short term starting to kind of broadcast what it is, it's going to be super specific, right? Here's what it is. Who's who I work with. Yeah. Here's how we do it. And it just becomes much more of a repeatable process and mm-hmm. predictable process, right? So as you're trying to understand the revenue streams, where they're coming in, you know, we, could, we even got into the some of the passive and other stuff. We can, we'll do that yeah. probably another episode. But, but I think it's so important now that you're getting to this stage to now's your chance to, to, again, we talk about do what you want with the clients you want, but make the offer super specific and don't undersell yourself. If you've got customers and people like your work, you're probably not charging enough. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, completely. I, I've struggled with this throughout my career. Like I think I've mentioned before, but when I first started as a freelancer, I was charging 35 bucks an hour. Even though I knew that the agency I had just left was charging $140 an hour for the work that I was doing. Yeah. 
and people turned me down. And ironically, it was the people turning me down who made me realize I wasn't charging enough. I'm like, wait, how commoditized or, you know, it's not necessarily what I'm doing that's commoditized, but it's how they view what I do as a commodity. I mean, this was 2011 before content was really viewed as a strategic piece of a marketing strategy. It was more of a, um, a transaction to build SEO equity because back then even like as that's why we're flooded with so much garbage on the internet now. Anyway, um and so that I started to slowly but surely raise my rates and now you're at $35 a word as you write. So 37. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, no, I, I digress. Yeah, but so like let's talk a little bit about some examples. So sticking with the SEO example, if you're looking for affiliates, what I was talking about, you could look for maybe web design firms and and remember the what's in it for me thing. So SEO, uh, web design firms are looking for really uh, strong recurring revenue that they don't have right now because they build a website and then someone's not going to want a website for two or three years or probably longer because there's so many garbage sites out there and people feel like it's like a car and they're going to ride it till the wheels fall off, which is like the worst thing ever. Bad idea. Anyway, (laughs) so... um, So you could reach out to web design firms and offer them your services, not only as an affiliate, but one very common, and I'm sorry if this sounds a little too elementary, but I think a lot of people aren't necessarily aware that these opportunities exist as a white label, which means that they sell your services and you uh, under their brand, but they're paying you as a 1099, as a contractor or as a vendor. Um, That's a really simple way, actually. And, And you could do that with copy. Um, and writing uh, with design. And uh, especially if you do something really specific and unique, it's going to make them look better to their customers. And then it's obviously better for you. I think that's a a really nice, like low hanging fruit is to reach out and build those relationships. And even then too, there could be examples where uh, a web design firm, maybe a client is too small for them. um, And then they end up referring you business as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, it's a great point. And I think it's a world we're heading into, right? Just, you know, we talked about with this podcast and with my business, a number of the vendors, they weren't necessarily vendors, they were sharing their stories and they built different businesses. But I'm now a an affiliate or referrer for a number of those businesses, just because I really liked what they do. I got to know the owner. I know the quality of their work. And so now it's a benefit to me if I can make introductions and get people sold. But I tell them up front and like, hey, that this is a company I've vetted. I like I'll put my name behind. I wouldn't do this just for anybody that (laughs) right for you. 100 percent. I'll make introductions all day, every day because I know the quality of, of what you do. So but I'm thinking about that on the flip side. Right. Those same companies don't do what I do. So as they come across opportunities that don't fit. Um, with them. Now they've got a resource that say, hey, I've got a guy that can do this. And quite honestly, I still need to do a better job of formulating and communicating exactly what that is. So when they come across it, even if it's not a formal program for them, even better, right? If you sign a a deal to be a a channel partner or affiliate or however they want to do it. um, Again, think about from your cost of acquisition too. Most of the time it's between 10 and 20% is the, the referral fee. Um, and then some businesses just do it as a service to their customers. So if you haven't explored it much, just take a look around, take it some of the complimentary businesses, the folks that, you know, start to build that relationship with them. And again, see if you can't provide them some value, right? Make some introductions and then it it flips. So I guess I think it's an underappreciated channel for sure. 
Yeah, and you may even want to be a little leery if someone has never really met or spoken with you and you reach out like, oh, I'd like to talk about this. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. I'll be an affiliate for you. Yeah, be careful there. Um, yeah. Because again, you don't want to be flooded with with junk leads either. So, um, it, it and really that's kind of the underlying theme here too. If you go back to the podcast, if you come to the referrals and even affiliates, it's about re- the relationships behind them. And that's that's what's going to serve you in the long run. Yeah, no, 100%. And we've talked before right no hacks right there's certain things you can do hack but it's going to damage your brand in the long term it's not sustainable so the more you build that foundation now and the good thing is it doesn't you don't need a ton of people to do this you can do this yourself you just have to be a little bit organized and i think what we wanted to talk about maybe next week is around some of those systems that you can put in place right if you're starting to do more business development if you have to more process and lead management it's just it's going to take more time but there's ways to do this. So it's not, you're not working the 18 hours a day again, yeah. just to do this, right? People make it way more complicated than it needs to be if you're focused. And so I think next, next episode, we'll talk about some systems and processes, but yeah, I mean, I think new business is there, especially if you have any type of story, right? I think that comes back to the offer, but again, different is better than better, right? Cause it's so hard to convince somebody that you're a better, like Diana, you're a better writer, than you know the the two thousand or twenty thousand other writers out there, you need a different angle, right? What's no, your... and I would never even think there. I'm sure there's people who are a better writer than me. When you're what you're ultimately selling, a lot of the times, what you offer is probably not different at all from what someone else is doing. But you're really selling yourself, and that's where the relationships are so important, and where the ability to put forth your personality and your expertise is important. Uh, I mean, I have a unique mix because I've been a, a head of marketing, I've been a head of content. And I'm also a writer and have always been a writer beneath it. So that positions me a little differently. Um, but even if I was quote unquote, just a writer, um, it doesn't, it doesn't matter like who you are as a person, how you click with someone, how you understand their business, that that's, what's going to help you stand out. And whether it's a referral source or, uh, you know, or leading into the next one that we should talk about because people, I mean, if you check your LinkedIn messages, you know, that people still do them and that would be cold outreach. <laughs> Yeah. Like if you're going to do those cold calls, you better um, have something to talk about. Um, Cold emails, cold, cold calls, like actual, remember phones that you like picked up and talked into those kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, I hate it, but there's a time and place for it. I think, right. I'm much more uh, one. If you cold call me, I'll never pick it up. I'll never listen to your voicemail ever, ever, ever. I don't, there's just no, I don't care if you (laughs) had the perfect solution to it. I'm just, I'm just not doing it. And the same thing with an email. I'm not, I'm not responding to a cold email because I'm one, I've got to look, is this spam? Is it not? And then who is this person that do I have to go to LinkedIn and look up them or the company? Just way too much effort, not doing it. Third, LinkedIn, you, you have a chance, right? Because I will accept. I'll look to see who is, especially if you're not pitching me out of the back. Nice little yeah. intro. I'll look to see, is this fit? Is this somebody in my network, either as a par- potential partner or as a, a customer? Yeah. And I'll accept it. But then the first thing you do is try to sell me right after that. Forget about it. And yeah. so yeah. I think, you know, the, the story I tell, because I, I don't like the, the cold outreach, but it, you'll get salespeople all the time say it works. You know, I can right. get to people. Yes, it'll work on a personal level, right? You can hit your quota because it is a numbers game, but you're not going to build a business off of cold calling and cold outreach. You're just not. It can get you some momentum. If you only need a couple customers, you know, you're going to have to put the effort in. But again, I like the organic approach. Um, 
And again, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be about adding value, which gets us all the way back to the content that said, Hey, I'm not here to sell you. Here's just a piece of the folks I work with. I'm just sharing again, if you have something to help build your network, I think that's the, the whole thing. The non-sales approach works much better with me to at least establish the relationship. Then you're connected on LinkedIn. You can see the content. And if something catches my eye there, you have a much, much better chance than yes. the direct. And engage with my, if you're going to send me a sales message before you do that, engage with some of my stuff, like show that yeah. you know who I am. And sure, please, for the love of freaking, oh my gosh, for the love of Pete. Don't send me a message trying to sell me what I do. I get that a yeah, lot, right? a lot. And I'm like, did you even look at me? Like take the time if you're going to purchase LinkedIn Sales Navigator or one of those tools, which is fine. And we'll talk more about CRMs and stuff next week, but take the time to look at someone's profile, find out uh, any mutuals or things you have in common, or make sure that they're even someone that you really, that's going to be valuable to you in your network. Like put the time into the connection. If you're going to send that cold message after like yeah. at least make it count for something and, and, but turn and burn. I think I mentioned to the, when I was with an agency, the prospective client who said that they literally have like hundreds of appointment centers in like India and they have a finite number of prospective customers and they are just blasting them with cold emails and phone calls. And I'm Which like, kills you... your long-term business, right? Yes. Cause I, I'm already, you've already damaged it for the future if you're going to do that to me. So, so resist the urge on those appointment centers. Cause that's a big yes. new one on LinkedIn that I get a ton from. And it's like, they, they dazzle you with numbers of like quick wins, but that's setting a call. And then you're going to waste all of your time on the phone with these people who are not good leads. Like just stuff. And don't know your business, right? They're, yeah. I mean, so and yeah, they don't I'm, care either. That's the biggest thing I think is they don't care about your business. No one's going to care about your business like you until you bring on someone who you can vet and make sure will care about your business as much as you. And by the way, I don't think you need to do that until you're a ten million dollar business, right? There's enough yes. ways through referrals and networking and just getting super tight with with your processes before you have to do one hundred percent. The LinkedIn appointment setters, holy mm. shit, that is some business I would not want to be in because I can't. I don't know how many people are doing it, but it's a ton. It feels then, like a lot. If, if it was that easy, then everybody would be doing it. So resist the temptation. Again, resist the hacks, resist the shortcuts because they don't exist. So like if you're established and like you're making enough money and you're in like growth mode, I think you could skew um, the cold calling and the cold outreach altogether. And then your focus should be on the relationship stuff, the yeah. referrals and the podcast to cast that net wide. And that's like long-term and sustainable. Um, but if you're just getting started, I don't think there's anything wrong with planting the seeds and putting, you know, 80, 75, 80% of your time into the long haul stuff, but carefully leveraging some cold outreach to get some kind of revenue generation yeah, 100%. going. I think that's acceptable if you do it the right way and like, don't be, um, like spray and pray. Don't do any of that stuff, but like carefully reach out to people. Like I gave an example, I don't know, a month or two ago about when, um, my daughter was born and I, my husband was a stay at home dad and I had to rebuild from scratch. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to just try this. And I was memorable and, um, you know, crafted a careful message. I knew who I was. I was very specific. I'm like, I'm going to go to agencies to get some quick money and, and build these relationships. And, and that's what I did. I reached out to agencies. I'm like, Hey, one of my clients recently said, Diana is bleeping awesome, which is true. Um, I have these HubSpot certifications and I'm looking for writing gigs. And, you know, within uh, six weeks or so, my 
my coffer was full. And, um, you know, that's not always going to work. And now agencies are bombarded and stuff. And this is only 2018. But but uh, anyway, it, it can work for the short term and yeah. do it carefully and then over deliver. So you're you at least at the very least, those people then can become referral sources down the road. And like once the, the wheels are turning, uh, once the snowball's building, then just like lay it to rest. Yeah. And again, that comes back to the point of you're starting this business. If you can't sell through your network, it's going to be really hard to sell outside of your network. So focus early days on network and then expand. And I'll give the the one gold tip of the day that this method of connecting with potential guests, I don't care if it's a you know global author or a business owner, is if you hear this person on a podcast as a guest, I do an outreach on LinkedIn after I hear the episode, say, hey, I just really loved your interview, which most if I didn't love the interview, I'm not reaching out to them. So it's not like I'm not telling the truth. But I would say I've got a 98% success rate by connecting with people on LinkedIn after hearing them on a podcast. One, they're on Hmm. podcasts for a reason. But two, like I said, I was shocked at how well that that outreach works. So even if it's, you know, like Dory Clark is a world famous, you know, author and a professor and all this thing. So it was actually her team that connected with me on LinkedIn because she's got it. But yeah, very, very few uh, do I get ignored, right? And they're appreciative, right? That you, you, especially if you listen, don't say it if you didn't listen to it because you can't reference, you know, certain thing that resonate with you. But if you're looking for that path of a potential partner, network client, you hear them on a podcast, it's almost certain you're going to get that connection. Don't spam them after you do it though. Yes, please don't. No, it's about the relationship. And, yes. and I actually really recommend picking up the James Carberry's book, Content-Based Networking, because it, it really um, hammers home that message and shows how you leverage those relationships and nurture them in the long term. It's a, it's a quick read and it's on Amazon. It's probably like 10 bucks. I highly recommend uh, C-A-R-B-A-R-Y. James yeah, no, hundred percent. And again, he's creating an, a new ver- vision because I do think we talked about media companies. It's it's just yep. going to be the way it is, and it is your content because that's what differentiates you. And as you tell me all the time, there's just so much noise. There's so much crap out there. Mm-hmm. If you can get it right, right, it can be small but super focused, but quality, right? It's the quality and the difference is going to help you open many more doors than the spam and blast and just don't do it. And people are going to feel like they know you. Like, come on, everybody out there. You feel like we're like BFFs, right? Because you're sitting here. It's like you're hopefully it feels like you're sitting here in the room with Brett and I as we're having these conversations. And like, that's really powerful and cannot be underestimated, particularly as everything becomes more human to human rather than B2B and B2C and all that stuff. You know, there's just so many benefits to this and it can be done very affordable. You can hire someone to do it for you. You could use a tool. I think our guest, uh, Mike DeChocha mentioned Descript um, that can do a lot for you. It's not going to sound the same as if you have a wunderkind producer like we do, but um, (laughs) you know, there's things that you can do to get it off the ground yourself. And then you can get to the point where you can hire someone amazing like our producer to take care of that for you. Yeah, I think that's a good way to end this one. So I think yeah. next week, yeah, let's talk about some of the systems and process and how we actually can get through our days without, again, I'm not a big fan of the non-value added work, but we got to get to that point where we can, yeah. we can off, offshore some of it. But again, I'm still 100% convinced more and more that we can get people to a million dollars without employees 
And again, you don't have to be the million dollars. It could be 600, whatever. Right. Your it's whatever your is. enough is. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And the point is you just don't need an army. You don't have to have a full-time salesperson in order to do a lot of this because customers yeah. aren't expecting that. It's just, yeah, again. And the stress well, and the burden and the weight and the responsibility yes. that comes with it. Yeah. Because what's that old saying? Without customers and employees, it'd be a great business. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love it. That, now that that's how we wrap it right there. All right. We'll All see right. you next week, Diana. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye.